Welcome to Fast Forward, where we discuss technology, ethics, and the future of humanity. With your hosts, Rachel Love and Ben Perry. Each episode starts with a broad topic that we found interesting. And explores how it engages with humans and communities in the future. You can expect science news filtered through our woefully amateur lenses. Some strong opinions and hopefully a bit of humor. Hi everyone, welcome back to Fast Forward. I'm Ben. And this is Rachel. It's so good to be with all of you again. Uh, last week, we talked about sex, so we figured that this week, we just fall right up <laughs> and talk about reproduction. It's easy transition, right That's there. what sex leads to, kids. <laughs> it's the only thing. <laughs> you will have babies. <laughs> Disclaimer, that is not the point of view of this podcast. <laughs> Sex is wonderful. Don't let anybody tell you it's only about babies. Because it is definitely not. But this episode of the podcast will be about babies. Yes. So let's talk about them. Today we're talking about babies. Uh, Specifically uh, technology um, and assisted reproductive technology, which I don't know if if people say ART or art, but I I would like to say art. Some good pillow talk. Uh, so what I'm going to focus on today is talking about, um, a lot around IVF as it's one of the most common forms or most frequently used, um, versions of ART, um, and to kind of talk through and ground us, I'm going to give you just a few statistics. So one in six couples globally deal with infertility, um, which is more than I thought, for sure. Um, 1.4 million women in the U.S., ages 15 to 44, have sought infertility treatment. Um, And the other thing that you should know before I kind of go into all the different steps it takes to kind of go through a full IVF cycle, which, um, to back up for a second, means in vitro fertilization. it's only about 30% effective. So you kind of go into this process knowing that there's only a chance that you might have a baby. Um, So I'm going to tell you the story. I'm going to use an example, um, Penny and David. So Penny and David, they've been trying to have a baby for a few years on their own. It's not working. Um, And they come to the conclusion that they need some help. They have to go see a doctor. So they go to a fertility clinic and find that Penny has a low egg reservoir. And what that means is that she only has so many more eggs um, to even produce a baby. Uh, And that's only one example of kind of infertility that can happen in women. There's also things like Um, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, endometriitis can also cause infertility. There's kind of a whole host of reasons why either from um, a man or a woman going into this fertility clinic um, that have these issues of infertility. So the first kind of step to getting this whole process started is to harvest eggs. And what that means is, 
Penny's going to have to go on 10 days of shots. So every single day she's going on shots so that hopefully at the end of those 10 days, the doctor can go in and retrieve a certain number of eggs. Um, usually when it's a lower egg count, they'll have a goal that's a little bit lower. Um, so for example, in Penny's situation, because her specific challenge is the low egg reservoir, they're gonna aim for like six to 10 eggs that come out of this harvest. In different situations, <clears throat> they might try to aim higher and get maybe like 16 or 20 eggs out of this harvest. Um, and what that means is basically the doctor is going in after this 10 days of shots and getting a needle, putting it into the egg and literally extracting those eggs. Um, and once they get a good look at the eggs, they want to see whether or not they're even viable. Once they're viable, you want to then fertilize them, which means our uh, David in this example goes into a the other room does what David needs to do. Uh, magazine. Right, magazines, videos, whatever uh, form you prefer. Uh, and then the second part is seeing whether or not the eggs even become fertilized. Um, so there's a few parts to this. So the egg could be fertilized by the sperm, but then just doesn't divide. Uh, and then another situation could be that the egg gets fertilized, but that it's either not in a good condition, meaning the egg isn't viable enough to carry uh, that embryo to full term. So there's a host of different things that could happen, even in kind of this second stage of fertilizing the egg. Um, so Penny and David, let's say <clears throat> that things go well and they end up getting um, four eggs fertilized, and then uh, the doctor lets them know that two of those four eggs are actually viable for uh, a transfer into uh, a penny. So then there's a whole other process. Now they go back into the fertility clinic and the transfer takes place. So a lot of times, you want to try and put more embryos than less because again, with this whole process, you're really just playing the numbers in terms of if we can you know, put two or three or four embryos inside of Penny, then obviously there's a greater probability that one of those embryos will attach. So the biggest complication of IVF is really this multiple births. And this is exactly the point in which that happens because you're actually putting multiple embryos inside of the uterus. So sometimes you only have one that gets uh, attached. Sometimes you get three, sometimes none happen at all. Again, it's just this like numbers game. So then let's say the transfer is successful. Uh, then you have to wait another 10 days to see if it attached and see whether or not the baby is starting to grow inside of you. Uh, and then there's the wait. Let's say that uh, after those 10 days, Penny and David get the really great news that um, one of the embryos has attached and that Penny is now officially pregnant. Um, obviously, after all of this waiting and numbers game, they're very excited, but there's even more steps to see, you know, will there be a first heartbeat? And then after that, will, uh, you know, Penny be able to carry that fetus to term and have a live birth? Um, so 
that is the full story <laughs> of kind of what could happen. Um, and it's really like there's so many variables. And the other part of it is, you know, we haven't even talked about all the different variables happening in Penny and David's life. So, you know, how old are they? Um, you know, what what is their lifestyle like? You know, where do they live? All these different things are going to have an impact on whether or not um, IVF is uh, effective for them, uh, as well as just like science, uh, because a lot of these uh, technologies can help you get there and can assist you. But at the end of the day, if, you know, if it just doesn't work, it, it doesn't work, unfortunately. Um, and the other part of this entire process is that it's very, very expensive. Um, so on average, a cycle of IVF costs about $12,000. Um, but on top of meds and also, you know, if you have to travel to the fertility clinic or anywhere else, you're probably looking at 15 to 20 grand per cycle. That is a lot of money. Especially when you're not guaranteed results and you might have to do several cycles. Right. So a lot of people do several cycles. Um, uh, there was one couple I heard about who spent $250,000 on, you know, all these multiple cycles um, with IVF. Um, so there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And at the end of the day, it's still a chance. Um, what's really scary, Ben, is in the future, I mean, even now, you know, who can afford this? Mm -hmm. Obviously, only a select group of people. Um, there used to be a contest um, with a fertility clinic in Vegas that would kind of have you create a video of you and your partner or just yourself um, asking for, you know, why you need uh, IVF and how that would help you. And so there would be all of these different videos and the judges would end up picking one and then they would get a free IVF cycle from this clinic, which has a whole bunch of other issues in there as well. Um, but yeah, it's a very costly gambling of what you're not going to have its own, you know, ethic, yeah, ethical considerations just at the, at the gate about, you know, is that the best way to be spending $250,000 in a world where, you know, tons of children who already exist are hungry and world exactly. There are communities where the, the, those $250,000 could go a real long way and, you know, make in improving the lives of your children. And mm -hmm. Not to mention the, you know, number of children need to be adopted. And, yeah. It, yeah. And it, it does play, you know, obviously, I'll say from the get-go, you know, yeah. I haven't gone through wanting a baby. I haven't, you know, uh, gone through childbirth. Well, right. I'll never go through childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> I have not been involved in any any childbirthing uh, experience in any capacity, and so I, can't, you know, I can't speak to the emotions that people go right. through. But it does seem like there's, to some degree, a fundamental narcissism of, well, I need this baby to have my genes, and I will yeah. be, I will spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars to ensure that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, when you, you mm -hmm. can adopt or something. Right. I mean, I don't, again, I'm glad that you also, uh, you know, said that you, you don't have any background in this and neither do I. Um, I have no interest in having a child. But we're going to talk anyway. So we are going to talk about this. <laughs> Sorry, friends. Um, but I think what was really, really evident in all the research that I was doing and everything that I watched um, in these documentaries is there's a great deal of of loss and trauma um, and just sadness, um, you know, with talking through, you know, having a baby and not, and also the level of shame that couples feel when they aren't able to have a child, when they would like to have a child. And I think given all of those factors, 
I understand you want to have a child. The part that I struggle with is the fact that there are many, many children in the world who grow up without love. There's a lot of children in foster care. There's a lot of children that have disabilities that are in foster care, um, you know, that can be adopted. And so that's the part that really challenges me is both the cost and also that there's children that are alive right now that will grow up without a family. I'm glad you, you bring up the cost and just IDF in general, though, because it plays mm-hmm. you know, nicely into sort of the next thing what I, I wanted to talk about today, which is so uh, talking about uh, genetic modification of babies, which uh, we are really not that far away from, which uh, <laughs> is terrifying. Um, you know, designer babies, designer embryos. Um, there's a guy who, you know, just wrote a big uh, book about the topic, gave an interview with The Economist where, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, no, in the future, like, everybody's going to be doing IVF. That's the way that you're going to, you know, have a baby. And that's the way that, because that's how you'll be able to, to edit the genes and, yeah, and yeah. such. Uh, which, first of all, like, who is the everyone we're talking about <laughs> here? You know, we're right. talking, I, I understand that, you know, the cost may come down from where it is now, that, you know, it, the science may get a little bit better in the sense that, you know, you, it may be more likely that you'll be able to take with a single cycle, et cetera. But still, you're talking about a lot of money lot that of money. could be used a different way. And mm-hmm. so I can't believe that there aren't still going to be people having maybe the old-fashioned way when right. you're talking about a multi-thousand dollar sticker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're mm-hmm. not particularly good at give, getting people health care they need. Health care they need. Today, yeah. <laughs> at a reasonable price. <laughs> so, like, forgive me if I'm a little skeptical that all of a sudden IVF is going to become, uh, you know, readily affordable for the yeah. masses. Um, and so uh, keep that in mind as we start talking about any of this genetic modification stuff, because right. the only way that you could theoretically do genetic modification is through IVF. Mm. Um, because the idea behind genetic modification is that you can modify the sex cells, mm. so your eggs and sperm, uh, when before they uh, come together to form yeah. to form an embryo. You need to do IVF in order for that to happen. There's another uh, process that I should name briefly. It's another sort of technological uh, advancement that you may have heard of called CRISPR. Um, CRISPR is the ability to target very, very specific sequences of the genome uh, and edit it, um, mm-hmm. and replace new DNA info, right, right. Um, cut out certain little bits of informa- mm-hmm. genetic information, um, which Basically, has, mix and match. Yeah, ba- yeah really. Uh, you know, and as we, you know, the Human Genome pra- Project has mapped the human genome pretty exhaustively mm-hmm. as we get, you know, even more and more sophisticated with these techniques. Like, we are not that far from a future where you would be able to uh, really go in and target very specific genes and change them. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are some really good benefits of this in the sense, oh, and again, I want to be uh, oh, careful with how I say good and bad. There yeah. are some possibly attractive, you know, elements of this. Like, for example, if you found out that you... The, the, chat, the embryo that you would have conceived would have Down syndrome, you could go in and uh, you know, change the, the, the child so it didn't have Down syndrome anymore. Now, I know that there are Down syndrome communities who feel a very particular sort of way about this, yeah, yeah. Um, and I definitely don't want But you know, So setting Down syndrome aside, there are you know, uh, genetic diseases that mm-hmm. will, will cause the child to die before it's brought right. to term. Right. So, you know keeping it more in the realm mm-hmm. of things we can sort of probably universally agree upon as, right. as a good change. You know, yeah, you'd be yeah. able to go in and prevent certain forms of uh, intergenetic diseases from right. taking place. And so you would have a child who otherwise would have died in, in the womb and before mm-hmm. birth who, you know, is then able to, to live. Yeah. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But 
you can also change things like sex. Mm. You can choose for a male baby. Uh, there are lots, you know, Oof. of people who would, and there's yeah. uh, lots of evidence that suggests, I think something like 90% of uh, couples who are having a, a child, having mm. their first child, want a male baby. Wow. 90%. And we see what happened in China. <laughs> well, no, exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> if you all of a sudden are able to, you know, then choose. Right. Uh, what does that do to, you know, and you're repeating that choice across right. the board. What does right. that do to, you know, uh, gender disparity across what the culture? To society? But also things like uh, intelligence mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, eye color, skin mm -hmm. color, mm -hmm. uh, hair color. I mean, totally. all I just worry about, like, is it the butterfly effect comes back to me at this moment? It's like, okay, so let's say that we do change or remove, a, let's go with like a specific um, genetic mutation that causes children to die in youth, right? Like, yeah. okay, so what happens if we remove that? And, and, you know, it's the same kind of concept with like super bacteria, right? Like, you know, it's not great for us to continue using all this antibacterial soap and alcohol and everything and bleach on everything because then you get rid of all of the good bacteria. And so... I almost, you know, this whole thing about like hindsight is twenty twenty. What happens when we, you know, edit it for something and something worse comes across? You know, consequence yeah, something yeah, that we can't reverse and yeah. we won't know until then. Or just the very real consequences of, you know, so now you have you know, parents who are able to afford right, yes, IVF, who are able to make their kids super smart and super tall and super strong, right. That is a very weird dystopian world. That... Just even weirder than <laughs> I mean, because you know, there's already, you know, yeah. there's already huge disparities just mm -hmm. by what wealth will give you in right. terms of, you know, right. tutoring and better right. schools. And, you know, what if then compounded on top of that is just sheer genetic. Right. You were genetically designed to, to be superior. Privilege. Exactly. To be more superior than other people. It, I just, all, all of the problems, really. Yeah, which so it's terrifying. Now, terrifying. what about? So I'm gonna post. So yeah, it sounds awful. Yeah. What what about if there is a, a disease mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it turns out that you know this disease is wiping out you know huge swaths of the population? You're right. able to uh, genetically engineer someone to be immune. Mm. That is a really great example. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we would do that then in that case and it may be, right? you know in a certain set of circumstances it could be you know crucial to humanity's survival yeah it could be it could be who knows who knows we won't because <laughs> we'll all be dead because we i won't be i won't be there but you um, will that's the thing is we're, we're yeah, only talking 20 years from now mm -hmm, which is mm -hmm. the thing that's, that's and that's scary. why we need to be having these conversations right. because you know no one's talking about no it, and yet the science, it. you know, continues apace. And all of a sudden, before you realize it, you're gonna, you know, there will be children who are genetically superior. Right. And we've had right. a conversation about whether that should happen. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, is there just to back up for a second? Yeah. Is there an opportunity at all to go in and change the genetic code for? like a fetus while it's in the womb that was conceived naturally? Is there no, no way to do that? No. Okay. Because that, I mean, the idea is, is 
so when you're starting with a single cell, mm -hmm. that yeah, cell yeah, then yeah. splits and splits and splits right, and it's carrying right, all this right. ingenetic information. So like right. the really the only way you can do it is by starting mm -hmm. with the initial cells the and initial combine cells. like yeah. create a, a, that single cell. What is it? Zygote. Mm -hmm. Going back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a zygote. There <laughs> yeah, you go. go. Get, so if you make the adjustments on that zygote before it splits, right? Then you know it'll carry that new genetic information and all mm -hmm, the future mm -hmm. cells. Okay. Okay. Yikes. Well, I mean, for the purpose of this conversation, I'm gl I'm just glad that there's like a little bit of a barrier because IVF is only so effective. So for right now, there's only so much that we can do in terms of designer babies. Yeah, and CRISPR right now is not to that point mm -hmm, either. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that also raises its own, you know, set of ethical... Like, so if you want, let's say we want to get to a world where, you know... Uh, uh, designer babies are possible. Right. That's there's probably going to be a, a, you know, a process in there littered mm -hmm. with babies who were designed and maybe didn't get designed quite right. Right, right. Um, and all sorts of unintended consequences there. You know, yes. like and what are the ethics? You know, uh, what are the ethics of manipulating a child's DNA? Right prior to birth that that child is then going to have to live with rest for right. their lives. I mean, consent? Uh, yeah, and there's no way you to can't, do that. You can't get consent. You can't get, no, you can't do that. And in some ways, I mean, like, you know, uh, bringing a child into the world is always a consent. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that the Royce Graham wrote this great article for the New York Times where he talks mm -hmm. about his, so he's a, an, uh, he writes a lot about environmental uh, decay and civilizational decline. Very upbeat guy. Wrote this, this great, this so. great, yeah, it's a great book he wrote called "Learning to Die in the Anthropocene," mm. um, where he talks about you know that the first step to uh, adapting to the to the new world we live in is is to make peace with one's own mortality and the fact that uh, climate change probably destroys uh, civilization as we know it. Yeah, yeah, real upbeat guy. Yeah. Um, so he's right. So he wrote this article for the New York Times talking, really grappling emotionally with his decision to have children. Mm -hmm, he, he, mm -hmm. had, he had had children, and he's yeah. like, and now there are lots of days where I'm like, I have brought them into a world that I know is doomed. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, that's like a consent violation in itself, but, you know, what? what is this, you know, you're then compounding that with, okay, mm -hmm. so we, we wanted you to be super smart, and so we right. played around with your, your intelligence, and now your brain works in a different way that we right. couldn't really right. have ever anticipated, mm -hmm. because we were some of the first people to try it. Right. Right, right. Um, but you, you get to live with it. And, you know, when you start messing with the human mind, you know, like just, mm. but I think that's a really great point. I, and I, it's interesting the way in which my decision to not have children has also been impacted by knowing more, uh, in terms of climate change and just kind of where the world stands. And I think that if I was interested in having children, I, I would have to grapple with it much more. But at this point, I'm just like, oh, here are more reasons why. Because I think whether or not it happens in the next 20 to 50 years, we are very, very, very close to something catastrophic happening mm -hmm. to humanity yeah. because of global warming. Um, and and who, who knows what that's going to mean for us. And if I don't have any idea or sense um, that that's going to change in the future, why, why would I bring a child into this world? Because I can promise you a genetic superhuman <laughs> <laughs> will oh, solve it well, all. Oh, oh, okay, then. Sure. <laughs> Fine. Done. Sold.
Let's do it. Back. I feel like the other thing that's hanging over all of us is just like the specter of ge- eugenics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the ways that, uh, yeah, I think any conversation about, you know, modifying human embryos yeah. to, to create better humans has a whole real ugly history attached yes, it to it. Yeah. Um, and what does it then mean when all of a sudden a bunch of, you know, speaking uh, broadly and pejoratively, like, yeah. like rich white people yeah. are, are now creating superhumans mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in a world mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, poor brown people are having children the old-fashioned way. Right, right, right. Um, and could never have access yeah. to even having these designs yeah. of children. And what, and what does that then do to a national conversation mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, that already assumes certain people are inferior? Right, right. And you're like, you're like, well, I, I know that they're <laughs> inferior because I designed my child to be the best. <laughs> like, that yeah, is a that's... whole terrifying future that I, right, I don't think right. we're talking about. I mean, we have people who think that right now. It's, and they don't have designed me. Yes, everyone got you know? the same way <laughs> right 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 yeah and i think that's so it's so interesting because it's really a thread across all of our episodes where it's like you really need to question kind of who's behind this technology right because you know we've talked so much about the bias that exists currently in the ai that we do have you know who designed it who makes the money from it exactly and and if you're in if you're making a system if you're if you're creating something technology or not you the person that's creating it that system will inherently have your biases because you're you're creating something with a very specific perspective yeah. right now if you're creating something for mass consumption or for the spectrum of diversity which is humans there's just so much conflict mm-hmm. And, and I feel like this plays into a very particular set of biases that Silicon Valley has in general. Because mm. that, that's who's going to be yes. pushing this kind of technology along. It's going right. to be startups. It's going to be, you know, there'll be, you know, designer baby labs and all sorts mm-hmm. of other folks mm-hmm. who will make money hand over fist by designing uh, rich folks' babies for right. them. Um, but, you know, Silicon Valley very much operates in this, you know, disrupting, you know, we're, we're disrupting reproduction. We're, you know, right, di- right, right. disrupting the way things are and we're going to improve it because it's all about, you know, uh, optimizing. We're going right, to right, make right. everything more efficient. Optimize we're gonna make, and innovate. Yeah, we're going to optimize and innovate your children. <laughs> and by whose standards and to right. what end? Right, right. There are no answers to that. And other than this conversation right here, I don't know of another another conversation that's being had about this, yeah. which is really frustrating because the technology is not stopping. They, it's only continuing and it's only getting faster and cheaper to create this technology. And it's, it's really scary. It's really scary. I mean, I think from the perspective of IVF, it's like if you have, like currently, today, if you have the resources and you really want this child in your life it's like fine great your money you can spend it however you like and you know no one knows what it feels like to be you whatever that is whatever trauma that is right and so i don't want to take away from that but i think what's really important is understanding that you are participating in something that most people do not have access to and other people cannot have if they if they end up having infertility that that that's it unless you're adopting um and it's yeah it's it, there's just so many parts of it 
And I think it's, it's just so interesting how um, technology just touches every part of our lives now. I don't, I don't know if there's something it doesn't touch. First yeah, baby. <laughs> it's, you know, cradle to grave. Yeah. All tech. Yay! <laughs> well, thank you for joining us as Rachel and I take the magic out of your world. <laughs> Everything's so sad. We're all going to die. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, join us on Fast Forward. Where we talk about despair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Fast Forward. As a reminder, what we've shared today are our own personal opinions and some of our jokes. But not expert-level information. So as always, please do your own research. And remember, please base no life-or-death decisions on our ramblings. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on an episode. And while you're there, leave us a rating and a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Stay tuned for the next episode. 